Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Come to the final session of today's theme of realities of faith. I trust that you've been imparted to and blessed, that your knowledge concerning faith and the development of our faith has gained some insight. I encourage you to practice the things that we have been teaching you. My last session is entitled, Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith. I must give acknowledgement to Andrew Womack. Some of my notes that I'll be sharing from are taken from his teaching on the same subject, Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith. I believe that he has mastered the subject of faith and grace as very few people have. And we can always learn from one another. (coughs) Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, a very well-known, familiar verse of Scripture. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So scripture says that we are saved by grace through faith and not of our own works. So there are two distinct elements in this verse of scripture that I'd like to elaborate on and we should pay attention to. The first one is God's grace and the second is our faith. God's part in the work of salvation and our part in receiving what God has already provided for us. Andrew Womack says the body of Christ is generally divided into two groups. One group preaches that everything is totally up to God. Whatever God wills will happen. Everything is determined by the sovereign of God and it's whatever God chooses. The other group teaches, no, that's not all. We need to do this and that and this and that. So those who preach man's responsibility will normally say that those who teach that it's all up to God are totally wrong. Those who preach that it's all up to God will teach against those that say man has some responsibility on the man. Well, we might phrase this in a different way, but it all comes down to this one question, and it is this. What do I do? What part is God's part, and what part is my part in the work of salvation? 
God's word clearly teaches that there is a balance between grace yes, and faith. Yes, and what we need to do is learn to live in the balance yes. of grace and faith. Right. In the middle of the road, not to the one side or to the other side. So, even though the body of Christ typically is divided into two camps, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says that we are saved by grace through faith. We are not saved by one or the other. Amen? It takes both. God's part and our part in it. Let's take a look at, the for a moment, the subject of grace. Grace is what God does for you and I. It's His part. It is something that was done for you before you were even born on this earth. It has nothing to do with you. Grace, you need to understand that if you want to get the full meaning of the word grace. Grace has nothing to do with your performance. By definition, grace is the unmerited, unearned, and undeserved favor of God. That's what grace is. Now, if grace is something that God does, and if grace alone saves, as some people believe, then every person would be saved. Because Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That's what Titus 2.11 says. The grace of God that brings salvation has come and has appeared to every person on the earth. God's grace is the same towards everyone. God has been exactly the same toward every person who has ever lived. But, you know, as someone said to me today, why why is this person receiving favor and blessing and I'm not receiving any? You may be wondering, why did so-and-so get healed and I didn't? Why did God touch so-and-so and not me? Well, if you think that, then you believe that God has done something or provided something for that person that He hasn't provided for yes. you, yes. which is wrong thinking. Right. Am I right? Yes. God's grace is the same towards everybody because it is not based on or tied to what you do. Yes. Or what you don't do. God by grace, according to the scriptures, has brought salvation to every person on the face of the earth. This is not something that is commonly understood. Because most people believe that it's their performance that earns them extra pull with God. And favor. 
to get the power of God operating in the life. It's because I prayed so much. It's because I fasted so much. It's because I read so many chapters a day. Yeah? So many live under that bondage. I used to for many, many years. That's legalism. That's bondage. The truth is, the moment you begin relating God's blessing or God's favor and the manifestation of His power in your life to anything that you've done, then you have just voided grace. You nullified grace. Amen? Amen? You've made God's blessing and manifestation in your life proportionate to something that you've done. That, that is not grace. You earned it. Right? If you think that way, then you do not understand the grace of God. Amen? Amen. So I repeat, the grace of God is consistent. He is the same towards everybody. And God is no respecter of persons. That's what scripture teaches. Amen? He doesn't love one person more than he loves another. He hasn't provided more for one person than he does for another. I have good news for you. Prior to you existing, coming onto this earth, before you even had a need or a problem, God had already created the supply and the solution before the problem ever appeared. Isn't that good news to know that? Before you ever get discouraged, God has already blessed you with every spiritual blessing. That's awesome. He's already abounded towards you and I in love. You don't have to ask the Lord to give you joy and peace, to heal you, to prosper you and save you, because He's already done that through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, thinking that way will revolutionize the way you pray. The way you speak. The way you communicate. If you know that God has already provided all that you will ever need. He has already given you all of His favor in Christ Jesus. The Bible says He has blessed us. Past tense. With every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. God has done it. Jesus said it is finished. Anytime you add something to it, you pollute what Jesus has already done. Amen? He's already provided before you ever had the problem. God, by grace, has already done everything. He anticipated every need that you could ever have, and He already met those needs in Christ Jesus. He who spared not His own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? This is good news, folks. This is the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Through Jesus, the scripture says, God intervened in the affairs of men. He provided everything, and that happened 2,000 years ago. You know that Jesus didn't die for one single person's sins ever since. No. He hasn't healed one single person 
since he took our stripes on his back 2,000 years ago. He's already done it. For Peter says, by his stripes, he were. It goes back to the cross. When we were, when Jesus took stripes, you and I were healed. God is not going to heal you someday. As far as God is concerned, he's already done it. God is not going to provide for you. He's already provided according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God has reserved great goodness, the Bible says. How great is your goodness to them that fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you. God has already prepared. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the mind of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. It's already prepared. It's already been deposited into your heavenly account. You just don't know it yet. Or you don't know how to access it. We're not trying to get God to do something. Amen. I used to preach faith moves God. No, He's not stuck. (laughs) Faith moves me. God has already moved. He's already done it. Amen. Nothing you do or don't do will ever move God again. He's already moved once and for all. And He's done it. So salvation, healing, deliverance have already been provided. And when people hear this truth, the truth of the gospel, and believe it, and act upon it, As though it is true. Then, all of a sudden, that which God has already provided by grace becomes a reality in their lives. Do you see that? Amen. As they mix faith with the word of God concerning what he has already done by grace. Amen begins, grace begins to manifest in our lives. You are saved by grace, and the word saved in the Greek is an all-inclusive word, not just being born again. Saved spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, relationally. That's all included. We are saved by grace through faith, not by one, Or the other exclusively. You see, when we emphasize one at the expense of the other, then we run into trouble. And I've learned this recently. Listen to this. This was news to me. Both sodium and chlorine are poisons. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I I just found out. If you take either of them by themselves, in sufficient quantity, they'll kill you. You know that. Yet if you mix sodium and chlorine together, you get salt, out of which we cannot live. Our body requires salt 
to sustain our life. Amen? Amen. And that's how Andrew Womack relates the balance of sodium and chlorine to the balance of grace and faith. Oh, I think this is so beautiful. Too much faith often results in people drowning in a raging sea of legalism. Oh, you have to do this. You have to yes. do that. Confess the right That's word right. And, and do the right thing and, 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 and pray more and fast more. and All of those too much, emphasizing faith too much, results in us drowning in a sea of legalism. Thinking that, well, if we can only perform well enough, then God will respond. I mean, how many of us have we done that? We fasted thinking that our fasting is going to cause God to respond. No, fasting doesn't change God. It changes us and helps us to position ourselves to receive from God. You see, we've got to be very careful. On the other hand, too much grace results in people lounging in a rising pool of carelessness, waiting on God to do everything for them. Do you see that? Either way, too much faith or too much grace, the people drown. So balance is the key. That's what we're talking about. How to live in the balance of grace and faith. I mean, this just revolutionized my way of thinking. The things that I'm sharing with you today, I've only learned in the last few months. And yet I've been in the Lord for what? Almost over 40 years. That shows you we can always learn and grow. Balance is the key. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This profound passage reveals that our salvation comes by grace through faith. Amen? Amen. Do you see that? Is it clear in your minds? Praise God. In our lives, we must balance the call to faith with the realization of grace. At certain times, the Bible says we must take action. For example, James 4, 7 says, resist the devil, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We must actively resist the enemy. Other times, the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. So we must recognize that God has already done and rest in it. There are other times, as I mentioned, that we must actively resist the enemy. So balance can be seen throughout God's creation. He gave us both day and night. You see that? Seasons of growth and seasons of dormancy. God is wise. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, let's look at faith and the definition of faith. As I said, if you emphasize too much faith, 
that you have to believe, that you have to do this and that, that will kill you spiritually. I have learned that true Bible faith, listen carefully to this, it is so simple, you need somebody to help you misunderstand it. <laughs> true Bible faith is simply our positive response to what God has already provided for us by grace. Faith is our positive response to what God has already done, to what God has already provided by His grace. You see, faith only appropriates what God has already provided. Nothing more, nothing less. That's what faith does. It appropriates. It is the invisible hand that reaches out into the invisible world of the Spirit, takes what God already provided for you, and pulls it into this natural, physical world where we can taste, smell, feel, and touch it. That's what faith does. Just reaches out and takes what God has already given. You have to take it. You have to make it your own. And that's what faith does. Simple, isn't it? If you don't recognize that faith is simply the way you appropriate and receive what God has already provided by grace, then the law and legalism will kill you. Amen. Amen. There are people who emphasize, listen to this now, and I've done it. I'm guilty. You have to pray. You have to study. You have to believe God. You have to do something. So we get so wrapped up in our performance that we think that by our doing, we're making God move. Do you see that? How many of you have done it? Begging God. Trying to get God to move or to do something that He's already done for you and I. You see... These type of people, they see their faith as a pry bar. Twisting God's arm and making him perform. No. That's not faith. That's not Bible faith anyway. That's false teaching. Amen? Amen. And this kind of thinking begets legalistic thinking. And it will destroy you. If you think that by your performance, you're going to make God do something, then you are under the law. And the Bible says those who are under the law are under a curse. Amen? Amen. So an inappropriate view of faith puts the entire burden on our shoulders. That's what it does. Up to me. No, look at me. I fast so often. I pray so much. I read so many chapters a day, and that's why God blesses me. No, no, no. That's not, that's not true. On the other hand, and on the other end of the spectrum, many people in the church emphasize grace alone, saying it's just totally up to God. God wants to heal you, He'll heal you. Amen. God wants to save you, He will save you. 
Nothing you do or don't do. Man, it's all up to God. Amen? Amen? They say God is sovereign. Whatever He wills, it will be. It's just up to God. That kind of belief will also kill you. Amen? Too much grace. Going onto the ditch on the other side. Amen? And these type of people, they're just sitting, waiting on God to heal them. Not understanding that they had a part to pray to play in receiving the healing. Cooperation between the two. God by grace has provided everything. But you have complete freedom of choice whether God's perfect will for you comes to pass or not. Amen. It doesn't happen without our cooperation. The Word of God says, Ephesians 3.20, we've read that already. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. And as I say, most people just stop there. They're skipping over the part that says, according to the power that worketh in us. You see that? God is able to do much more than you and I think. Amen. Or imagine. But it's according and proportionate to the power that is at work within us. I say this. God cannot, and I say cannot, or does not do anything beyond the power that works in you, which is faith. Amen. It's not automatic. It is God's will for every person to be saved. That's what the scripture says. The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Is that right? Is that true? That's the will of God. Amen. God, by grace, has provided salvation, has provided healing, has provided deliverance, has provided provision. But you have to put your faith in God's grace to see this salvation come to pass. Amen. Amen. And this verse makes it very clear that it is God's will for every person to be saved. But not every person will be saved. Jesus said so. Remember what he said in Matthew? Into ye at the straight gate, wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in therein. Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So Jesus said that there will be more people who enter in by the broad gate to destruction than by the narrow gate to everlasting life. That's very clear. Amen? Amen. You and I have a choice. Thank God He gave us the freedom to choose life or death, blessing or cursing. God, by grace, has provided everything. But if you don't believe the gospel, you won't receive. Amen? You doubt and you go without. How simple is that? Now, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, teaches the same principle. 
we have been hopping on through this entire lesson. Listen. Listen to what Hebrews 4, verse 1 and 2 says. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as unto them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in those that heard it. You have to mix faith with what you hear if the gospel is going to do what Jesus said he would do for you. So this, the nation of Israel had the same gospel preached as we've had, but it did not profit them because they didn't mix faith with what they heard. Well, we are faced with the same choice today. Believe the gospel, receive what God has purchased for us in Christ Jesus, or as I said, doubt and go without. How simple is that? Only believe, Jesus said. That's all. That's so simple. Just believe. You know, faith is a choice. Unbelief is a choice. Amen. Doubt is a choice. Amen. We doubt because we choose to doubt. Why? Because we believe something else other than the Word of God. Amen? Amen. We choose to believe or we choose not to believe. Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, they told him, we've seen the Lord. You know what he said? Unless I see. How many of us do the same thing today? Unless I see, unless I feel something, I'm not going to believe. We make our feelings, we bow to them, we worship them, we pamper them. Amen. He said, unless I see in his hands the prints of the nails put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, listen to what he said, I will not believe. That's a hardness of heart. He wanted to see before he believed. You know that most of the church is in that same boat today? Carnal. Unless we see, unless we feel a tingle, I feel the Lord's presence is here. And if I don't feel the presence, that means it's not here. So we start crying and fasting. Lord, come down. Lord, pour out your spirit. He's already poured out his spirit. Lord, give me more power. Where would he get it from to give it to you? He's already gave you the Holy Spirit, gave me the Holy Spirit. We just got to learn. To believe that we receive what we have and know how to cooperate with it. Amen. And that is, that is altogether wrong if you wait to see before you believe. Or if you wait to feel before you believe God healed you. That means you make your feeling your God. Amen. It's like putting the cart before the horse. Scriptural thinking says, because I believe, I will see the glory of God. Jesus said that to Martha. He said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Now we put it the other way around. Unless I see, I will not believe. That's wrong altogether. That's not faith. Why would you believe for something you already see? Why would you believe for something you already feel? You don't have to believe. You feel it. Faith 
is standing in the place of feeling and seeing. Faith is the title deed. If you have the faith, you have what you believe for. Jesus said, he who believes has. Not going to have, you already have it. Well, if I have it, where is it? It's in the spirit. And we've got to understand that beyond this natural world, there's another world of the spirit, which is the parent of this natural world. The spirit world created this natural world. And the spirit world is greater than the natural world. So if I have it, where is it? It's in the spirit. So how can I get it from the spirit into this natural world? You reach out by faith, you take it, and you bring it into this natural world. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, blessed. Who are the blessed? Those who have not seen, have not felt, yet have believed. If you can believe it, it is yours. Now, now, not tomorrow. God is not going to heal you tomorrow. He's already done it. All you need to do, accept the word of God, say thank you, Lord, and walk as though it is already done and it will be done. Can we do that? Now, I'm sure there are people here who need prayer. Before we close this seminar, I want to pray for you. After you heard the word of God and presented and laid out this bread, now I'm going to give you an opportunity to partake of it. Amen? Amen. Apostle Jim? Yes, sir. Would you come and give the altar call, please? I want to pray for you. You need healing in your body. You know, you heard the word of God. Now it's the time to exercise what you've heard and to put into practice. Whatever it is. Amen? Father, we thank you so much that by your grace you have already provided everything that we will ever need to live godly in this life. And we thank you for it. We thank you that you've done it. It is finished. Your grace has already accomplished all that we will ever need. And we come today to appropriate, to respond what you've already done for us by your grace. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.